It's a bonus edition of the Side Hustle Show. This is how to build an audience business featuring a sample from my latest book. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because making extra money never goes out of style. Special solo show for you today, actually with a couple important updates. The first is that the audiobook version of my latest book, The Side Hustle, is now available, and I'll be playing a section of that for you in this episode. If you're new to Audible, you can check it out for free when you create a trial account at sidehustlenation.com slash audiobook. And if you prefer reading, the book is set to be perma-free on Kindle. The link sidehustlenation.com slash book will get you over there. A little bit on the strategy behind this book and giving it away for free. I've had a perma-free book on Amazon since early 2015. Uh, it was called The Side Hustle Path and featured 10 stories from the podcast. This was originally inspired by Nick Stevenson from episode 89. He'd used a free book strategy on Amazon to uh, kickstart his own fiction writing business to the tune of generating something like 15,000 subscribers in six months. So I set out to uh, test the plan myself and didn't see those kinds of results, but the book was a consistent lead generator for the past few years. One thing to note is that Amazon doesn't let you price your book at zero dollars is you have to upload it to another platform and then request them to price match. But the problem was with the side hustle path is looking back now, of course, the value of hindsight is it wasn't my best work. It wasn't the greatest introduction to side hustle nation and really what this whole side hustle thing is all about. But still in this year's uh, member survey, something like seven or eight percent of the audience said they first discovered me through one of the books on Amazon. I felt like I could grow that piece of the pie and at the same time provide better value to those people by updating that old book. The new edition is more than twice as long and is seeing already roughly four times more downloads than the previous version, around 55 downloads per day since the re-release at the end of April. And that's the goal here, a steady stream of new readers, new listeners on autopilot. In the book, the lead generation component is that I'm inviting uh, readers to join the email list, to subscribe to the podcast, and to join the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group. But really, the language and the messaging is like, if you like this stuff, there's more where that came from. And by the way, there's a whole nation, a whole community of other people like you who are making this happen. It could definitely be more conversion optimized as a, as a top of the funnel piece of content. But for now, I'm happy with it as an actionable introduction to this brand of entrepreneurship. The book itself showcases tons of previous Side Hustle Show guests and centers on what you can do in your spare time to get to $1,000 a month or more. It breaks down the big three business models we see over and over again, those being service businesses, product businesses, and audience businesses. Over the years, I've had some success in all three, and I'll share my experience in those cases in the book. But where I've spent the bulk of my time and energy and seen the best results is in the audience business category. As you're about to hear, these are businesses like Facebook or Google, like build a cool or helpful resource and then figure out how to monetize the audience that shows up to use it. In my case, that's mostly been through affiliate marketing and recently some sponsorship on this podcast, just as a couple examples. These types of businesses are often slower to build than service or product businesses, but can also be more flexible and scalable. In fact, I recently published on the blog a list of my passive income streams, or at least time-leveraged income streams, and a lot of those have 
come as a result of focusing on the audience business model. You can check that out at sidehustlenation.com slash passive income. I've been getting some uh, good feedback on that one so far. Once again, sidehustlenation.com slash book to grab the side hustle, how to turn your spare time into $1,000 a month or more free on Kindle. You can also check out the audiobook version at sidehustlenation.com slash audiobook and get that free if you start a free trial of Audible. I'm going to play for you the first part of the audience business section, which is the third of the big three business models uh, described in the book. Ready? Let's do it. Starting an audience business. Quote, everyone is not your customer. End quote. Seth Godin. An audience business is the most flexible side hustle business model because once you have people's attention, you can monetize it in several different ways. You can earn money with advertising like Facebook and Google do with their audience business, or you can sell products and services to your audience. This is the business model I've focused most of my energy on for the past 10 years. I wouldn't necessarily call it passive income, but it can certainly be more time leveraged. By that, I mean I can speak to 30,000 people a week through the Side Hustle Show, and it takes the same effort to produce as it did when 100 people were listening. And while podcasting has helped me build my audience, others are doing it through blogs and websites, YouTube channels, and other means. But building an audience doesn't happen overnight. Because the payoff is often a longer time horizon, an audience business is a good one to start on the side. You can still collect a paycheck from your day job while you build your audience business in your spare time. In fact, as you'll see, that's how most entrepreneurs in this section went about it. There are three main components of an audience business to consider. First, creating the resource that's worth paying attention to. Second, marketing to build an audience. And third, monetizing that audience. We'll dive into each of those in this section using real-life examples. What could you create content about? The first step in building an audience business is to create something worth paying attention to. Years ago, a friend of mine shared with me what he called the rule of the internet. The rule states that people are only ever online for one of two reasons. Number one, to be entertained, and number two, to solve a problem. That's it. And if you think about the two big audience business examples we've used, Facebook and Google, they fall squarely into those categories. If I'm bored and want to see what my friends are up to and the funny memes they've posted, I jump on Facebook for entertainment. If I have a specific question, I punch it into Google to solve my problem. Those are obviously massive companies that have spent tremendous time and resources building their thing that's worth paying attention to, but you can use the rule of the internet to guide your own audience building creation. My first audience business was my footwear comparison shopping website. It fell into the problem solving category in that it helped people find the best deal on their next pair of shoes. In fact, most of the entrepreneurs I've met approached their audience business from the problem solving perspective. On the entertainment side, you're competing with ESPN, HBO, and Netflix, which is tough to do, but if you can help people solve their problems and do it in an entertaining way, it definitely won't hurt. Jonathan Mendonza, co-host of the popular Choose FI podcast, episode 287 of The Side Hustle Show, calls this infotainment. He tries to produce a show that's primarily helpful, but he attempts to present it in an entertaining way. Like Choose FI, most audience businesses follow a content model, that is, creating articles, podcasts, or videos about a certain topic. Generating niche ideas. What could you create content about? Here are some questions to consider. 
What problems or challenges have you overcome in your own life? What do people already ask you for help with? What do you never get bored talking about? What lights you up? For me, the answer to all of those questions was business ideas and creative ways to make extra money. That's why I created Side Hustle Nation. After my footwear business allowed me to leave my corporate job, I was excited to share that same feeling of empowerment and freedom with others. For Jonathan, the answer to those questions was financial independence. For Brock McGough of themodestman.com, episode 331, it was fashion advice for shorter men. For Kimberly Gautier of KeepTheTailWagging.com, episode 333, it was healthy eating for dogs. For these entrepreneurs, these topics may not have been their undying passions, but they were subjects that they had deep interest in. They all started on the side from their day jobs without taking too much risk. When they began, they were just a step or two ahead of the typical member of their audience. They documented their journey and education along the way, and they provided helpful and compelling information. That formula, combined with savvy marketing and monetization strategies, eventually built them large followings and successful businesses. It's important to note that these entrepreneurs didn't have any official credentials or certifications. They didn't wait for permission. They just went for it and started sharing what they were excited about. If you're struggling with imposter syndrome, as I did before starting Side Hustle Nation, ask yourself if you know more about your proposed topic than the average person. If the answer is yes, you're in a position to help others. Unfortunately, the desire to help people and share your information is only part of the battle. If there are already existing resources that solve the problems you're interested in, it can be tough for you to get noticed. Evaluating the competitive landscape. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster, and 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors, and what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One key factor in the success of the businesses mentioned a moment ago was their ability to identify a specific niche to serve where they could be a leader in the space. With ChooseFI, Jonathan explained that there were a ton of blogs dedicated to financial independence and a lot of broad personal finance podcasts as well, but there was no single show dedicated to the growing FI movement, the financial independence movement. The success of blogs in the space validated the demand for that kind of information, and he saw podcasting as a white space in the market. In Brock's case, there were dozens of websites and YouTube channels dedicated to men's fashion. As a young professional, he was interested in dressing well to feel confident and make a great impression. But standing at five foot six, he found a lot of the existing information on men's fashion didn't relate. What looked good on the taller models didn't always look good on him. If he was having that problem, other men probably were too. With themodestman.com, he set out to create the go-to resource for other guys like him. For Kimberly, there were thousands and thousands of dog blogs to compete with. The good news was that those sites paved the way. Dog owners were actively engaging with these sites and consuming information, and advertisers were spending money to reach those people. But only when Kimberly narrowed the focus of keep the tail wagging to healthy eating for dogs, and specifically raw feeding, did her traffic take off. The way I look at competition is as validation. If your idea for an audience business is so unique that truly no one has ever done it before, I'd see that as a red flag. You can use a free tool like Keywords Everywhere to see if people are actually looking for information on your potential topic and just not finding it. Jonathan gave me the advice, if you can't be first, be different. For an audience business, I think that's important to remember. If you just set out to replicate what's already been done, it's a recipe for disappointment. Your project needs to be different in some way. That could be in the audience you serve, the way you present the information, or the medium in which you serve it. After all, there's only so much real estate at the top of Google, iTunes, or YouTube. For my shoe site, I knew people were searching for specific models of shoes based on the available keyword data. And I knew that the existing broad comparison shopping sites didn't always have the most accurate information or selection. I was confident I could build something different and better. Coming up with content ideas. When you're evaluating potential audience business ideas, I recommend creating a list of 30 to 50 pieces of content you could create on the topic. If that sounds like a lot, that might be a bad sign right out of the gate. If that sounds like you'd just be scratching the surface, that's a better sign it's a topic you'll be able to tackle long-term. Over time, your audience will begin to feed you questions you can create content around, but at the beginning, there is no audience to do that yet. Fortunately, there are lots of ways to come up with content ideas for your new project. The table of contents method. The table of contents method for generating content ideas works like this. Find the best-selling books on your topic on Amazon and use the Look Inside preview feature. With that, you'll often be able to see the table of contents or chapter headers that the author uses. If each of those topics was worthy of an entire section of their book, it's probably something worth writing about on your site as well. 
While you're on these book pages on Amazon, you might check out the reviews too. Specifically, I'd pay attention to the two, three, and four star reviews and identify what the buyers thought was lacking in the book. What could have been covered in more detail? What was missing? You can also use the table of contents method on udemy.com, the video course website, again, udemy.com. A freelance writer friend of mine shared this strategy with me and I loved it. In the preview for each course, prospective students can see the course curriculum. Use those lecture topics to come up with individual post ideas or to provide the structure for a broader piece of content on the subject. The answering questions method. For the answering questions method, I turn to a few different resources to come up with content ideas. The first is the popular question and answer site, Quora.com, Q-U-O-R-A. Punch your keyword into the search bar and see what questions have already been asked on your topic. While you're there, you might consider throwing in a thoughtful answer too. The next is an online tool called AnswerThePublic.com. This free service aggregates all the questions people are typing into Google related to your keyword. It's a goldmine of content ideas. Once people are paying attention to you online, their questions can and should fuel your future content. I encourage people to ask questions via email, in blog comments, and in the free Side Hustle Nation Facebook community. Again, sidehustlenation.com slash FB will get you over there. Every few months, I'll also look in my Google Analytics site search section to see what phrases people are actually typing into the search bar on my sites. Are they finding the results they're looking for? Or could I create content to better serve those queries? The autocomplete method. Another interesting way to generate content ideas is to let big search engines tell you what real people are already looking for. First, type your primary topic into Google, Pinterest, Amazon, or another search engine of your choice, and then without hitting enter, press the spacebar. These platforms will show a predictive list of what users often type in next. What I do is go through the alphabet letter by letter to see what suggestions pop up. You can either do this manually or you can use an online tool like ubersuggest.com, U-B-E-R, to generate a big list of ideas all at once. Remember, you're aiming to create something helpful, something entertaining, something worth paying attention to. After all, that's what will attract people to you and your business and get them to stick around. Good content is a prerequisite for an audience business. In the next section, we'll explore how exactly to get that material in front of more people and grow your audience. Additional resources from this section. Jonathan Mendonza's podcast business is at sidehustlenation.com slash choosefi. Brock McGoff's fashion blog is at sidehustlenation.com slash Brock. And Kimberly Gautier's dog blog is at sidehustlenation.com slash Kimberly. If you want to check out my free course on how to start a blog, you can do so at blogstartercourse.com. Building your audience. Once you've decided what resource you're going to build, the next phase is to figure out the marketing piece. How will people discover you and your content? This can be a slow process and one that's never really done. There are always more people you can help serve, right? The market is rarely 100% saturated. Be so good they can't ignore you. When asked his advice for aspiring performers, comedian Steve Martin said, quote, nobody ever takes my advice because it's not the answer they wanted to hear. What they want to hear is, here's how you get an agent, here's how you write a script, but I always say, be so good they can't ignore you, end quote. The same rule applies to aspiring audience business builders. 
The most powerful form of marketing is word of mouth, and word of mouth happens when you do awesome work. Create amazing resources. That's what Google wants at the top of its search results. For video, create something compelling enough to watch all the way to the end. For audio, create something that's too good not to share. When I first discovered the Mr. Money Mustache blog at mrmoneymustache.com about early retirement and the, quote, shockingly simple math behind it, I couldn't stop talking about it. It was that compelling. After years of people recommending Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast, I finally buckled down and downloaded one of his three-hour marathon episodes. It was so good, I proceeded to binge on the entire 15-hour saga of World War I. I told everyone who'd listen to do the same. It was that good. My friend Matt Giovanisi from episode 279 is an extremely creative and talented entrepreneur. Among other things, he makes hilariously well-produced rap videos about online business that you can't help but share. Another one of Matt's creations is his email opt-in page, which pokes fun at all the different ways marketers optimize to build their own email lists. Seriously, check it out at moneylab.co slash email. It's that over the top. That kind of holy crap, this is amazing, where have you been all my life reaction is what you want when someone comes across your content for the first time. And that happens when you're too good to ignore. Nobody is a pro right out of the gate, but you'll get there with persistence. Keep showing up, keep practicing your craft, and keep getting better. I can't say I hit that so good they can't ignore you standard every week on the Side Hustle Show, but that's what I aim for. And I'm certainly better at it now than I was 300 episodes ago. While you're on this journey of creating amazing resources, it still makes sense to market your business. The best entrepreneurs aren't just sitting back and waiting for word of mouth to kick in. Go where your target customers already are. As we've seen with the other business models in this book, the main function of marketing is to figure out where your target customers are and then figure out how to get in front of them. That can mean optimizing your content for search engines like Google or Pinterest. That can mean finding your audience and connecting with them on Instagram or LinkedIn. That can mean guesting or collaborating with other bloggers, podcasters, or YouTubers in your space. Search. A large majority of my traffic comes from Google, and that usually doesn't happen by accident. It comes from intentionally creating great content around the keywords people are actively looking for. I mentioned a few of the search engine optimization or SEO tools I use in the previous section, but it's a topic far too in-depth to cover in any meaningful way here. Still, to set yourself up for search engine success, the biggest factor you can control is the content on your page. Does it sufficiently answer readers' questions? Does it cover the topic from every angle? One helpful tool I use for almost every post I write is the free Yoast SEO plugin for WordPress. How it works is you punch in your target keyword for the article and follow the suggestions until the traffic light turns green. If you only do that, you'll already be a few steps ahead of most of your competition. Kieran McRae of Scotland, episode 313, makes a full-time income from his mattress review blog, The Dozy Owl, which relies primarily on SEO for traffic. The site started as a side hustle discussing sleep-related issues and products, I asked him if he had any background in sleep science or some special interest in the topic, and he replied he was just looking for a niche to create a site about. Everyone needs sleep, and people tend not to get enough of it, he explained. To build out the content for the site, he started looking around his own bedroom and built a mind map of potential products to write about. 
he put all these initial seed keywords into a spreadsheet and added the word best in front of them. For example, he had best bedding, best mattresses, best pillows, etc. Then he used Google's auto-suggestion tool to generate more keywords based on those. With the Keywords Everywhere browser extension, he could see the search volume for the keywords when typing them into Google. Kieran said he would create articles for any keywords with 100 to 200 monthly searches or more. If there was a YouTube video or forum post near the top of the search results, he saw that as an indication it was going to be easier to rank for. The Keywords Everywhere extension will also give you a competitiveness score. Matt Giovannisi is also an SEO pro. His strategy to get to the top of the ranks is to simply build the best possible resource for any given keyword. For his blogs, he said he targets keywords with a minimum of a thousand searches a month and uses the content and structure from the first 10 to 20 existing search results to begin crafting his content. The reason behind this is Google already sees those as being the best answers to the user's query. So if you can incorporate, not copy, those into your own post and expand on them with your own expertise and research, you'll likely be able to edge your way in. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com host. Once again, that's airbnb.com host. Social. As powerful as search is for discoverability, it's not the only way to build an audience. April Whitney from episode 311 is a personal trainer who also sells an online fitness program aimed at petite women. It's a niche that, for all intents and purposes, April invented. Nobody was searching for this stuff, but when women found her, or more accurately, she found them, something resonated. When we spoke, she'd taken her audience business from zero to $1,000 a month in a little more than a year. Her primary audience building platform was Instagram. She'd built a tribe of more than 10,000 followers following a very intentional marketing and validation plan. Even as a lifelong athlete, April, at five foot one, had struggled to find a specific training program she loved. While working full-time as a pharmaceutical copywriter, she stumbled on a fitness formula that was working for her. Impressed with her own results, April was confident it would work for other petite women. She created an Instagram profile, at Smalletics, if you want to check it out, and started talking about petite fitness, or what she called short girl fitness. April was new to Instagram, but she believed that if she provided quality content that gave other women value, she would get noticed. She started by posting a lot of her own workouts as informational and educational content, and people began saving, liking, and commenting on her videos. But every Instagram account starts out with zero followers, and no matter how great your images and captions are, there's still more work to building an audience on this platform. 
April said that Instagram's algorithm is designed to show the content it believes will be most relevant to users. To leverage this, she started reaching out to other influencers in her niche, sending them direct messages and commenting on their content. She'd connect with other women in the content threads on these bigger accounts. The key to this working so well was that April was genuine in her pursuit to help other petite women find the right workout plan. She only reached out to other influencers after she had been following them for a while, and she frequently engaged with them and their followers in comments. Had she come in and immediately started pitching her products and services, the entire business may have flopped. It was a lot of work. She had to dig around into people's profiles and comment threads, looking for petite women talking about their height and their pain points, but it paid off. She started getting messages from women interested to learn more, so she decided to ask 20 women if they would test her program for free, provide progress photos, report back on the results, and give feedback. It turned out to be outrageously successful, April said. The women gained muscle, lost weight, toned up, and were very happy with the results. This validated the idea for her online fitness program. On her own profile, April wanted to create something different than the existing fitness accounts on Instagram. She knew she needed to go deeper than seemingly unattainable body image posts if she was going to reach her niche and help petite women really feel stronger and taller. She opted to post educational content, like workout videos with a breakdown of how many reps she was doing, why she was doing certain exercises, and the science behind petite metabolism. Being inspirational or aspirational is not going to convert people into customers, April said. You need to establish yourself as an expert. Guesting. When I recently asked my audience how they first discovered Side Hustle Nation, 16% said they heard me on another podcast. It makes sense. Some of my biggest spikes in audience growth came immediately after I appeared on other relevant podcasts. That illustrates the power of getting in front of other audiences in a format they already like. I don't typically pitch other hosts to appear on their shows, but I rarely turn down an invite when someone asks me to join them. If you are looking to be a bit more proactive about it, I recommend creating a target list of shows and hosts and think about how you can provide value to those audiences. In iTunes and other podcast directories, there's usually a section at the bottom called listeners also subscribe to or similar. The same strategy works in the blog and video space as well. In fact, Brock McGough, the fashion blogger you met earlier, did just this when he was starting out. He targeted other men's fashion sites and offered to write a post or style guide for shorter men. Over time, that helped him tap into the audiences that were already reading these larger sites, and it established himself as the go-to fashion expert for men of modest stature. In the early days of your audience business, you've got to do something to get that initial bit of attention. If you don't tell anyone about your work, sure, Google may discover you months later, but it's a long, slow game. Guesting is the equivalent of holding out your sign at a busy intersection. Your message won't be relevant to 100% of the people who pass by, and you're going to get some rejections, but it's guaranteed to reach more people than sitting at home in your basement and keeping to yourself. Paid advertising. With my first audience business, I spent several months building the thing that was worth paying attention to, an online tool to help people save money on their next pair of shoes. Thankfully, though, I was able to shortcut the audience building portion by buying advertising. I set a very limited budget in Google AdWords, and I targeted people searching for specific models of shoes. The website was very transactional in nature. People were looking for information and deals, and many were ready to buy through my affiliate links. 
I wouldn't recommend spending money on advertising right out of the gate unless you have a similar business model. It can be hard to turn a profit, and I think there are better audience-building methods to test first. Still, it's worth noting that paid ads can certainly accelerate your audience growth and help you reach new people quickly. Most entrepreneurs incorporate paid ads into their marketing mix after they have an established track record of sales. For example, Jacques Hopkins, the online piano teacher you met earlier, now uses Google and Facebook ads to supplement his natural search and YouTube traffic. Buy an audience? As you've seen, building an audience can take real hustle and determination. However, there's an alternative path that might be compelling, especially if you have more money than time. Stacey Caprio from episode 323 was desperate to leave her day job, and she ended up doing just that with a unique take on the audience business model. She bought and improved a portfolio of mini online businesses, websites that already had traffic and that were already making money. Instead of building an audience of her own, she bought someone else's outright. Her small portfolio now earns a few thousand dollars a month, which was enough cash flow for her to quit her job. This strategy wasn't without missteps, though. Her first website purchase didn't exactly go as planned. She bought a website on the Flippa.com marketplace, F-L-I-P-P-A, for $1,300, expecting it to make, as the seller said it did, $350 a month. Turns out, the seller was lying. Websites usually sell for a multiple of monthly profit, anywhere from 12 to 48 months, depending on the age and income sources of the site. Discouraged but not defeated, she was determined to learn from the experience and try again. For her next site purchase, Stacy only looked at sites with verified earnings and verified Google Analytics. She found a site that was earning a verified $500 per month priced at $10,000, or a 20x multiple. She bought the site and quickly doubled the earnings to around $1,000 per month by using a different ad network. Unfortunately, the traffic to this site dropped off before she had a chance to recoup her full investment. Stacy said she had overlooked one thing. It was a fad site based on a single smartphone app. Since apps typically have a short life cycle, she recommended avoiding this type of site in the future. She took this as another part of the learning curve, and after taking her lumps on these first two purchases, things started to go better. I recommend really starting small, but letting each thing you learn just come with you, and you'll be able to start making really good purchases, Stacy said of her experiences when starting out. Your criteria in buying an audience will probably be different, but Stacy homed in on a few criteria that made sense for her. Expired listings. By filtering to expired listings on Flippa, she sees sites that didn't sell when they were up for live auction. This means she doesn't have to participate in live bidding and can potentially pick them up for a better price by talking to the owner. Monetized with AdSense. Stacy knows how to increase revenue by switching ad networks, improving site speed, and testing ad placements, so she looks for sites making revenue with AdSense. For her, those may be undervalued. Earning $500 or more per month. Below that, and it might not be worth the time it takes to manage the site. Evergreen niches. She now only buys sites that are built around niches she understands and that cover evergreen content. No more fad sites. When she finds sites that fit the above criteria, Stacy messages the seller and asks to be added to the Google Analytics. From there, she can verify that the traffic is real, check for any dips in traffic or abnormalities over time, and ask the seller any questions. Stacy wants most of the traffic to come from organic search and U.S.-based viewers. 
This is because most advertisers pay more for U.S. traffic and because organic traffic is more consistent and easier to scale than traffic from paid ads or social media. Stacy's goal is to earn money from advertising on the sites in her portfolio. For an audience business, advertising can indeed be a lucrative income stream, but it's not the only way to monetize. In the next section, we'll explore the different ways audience businesses make money with more real-life examples. Additional resources from this section. April Whitney's fitness business is at sidehustlenation.com slash April. Stacy Caprio's website buying business is at sidehustlenation.com slash Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y. And my free course on how to start a blog, again, is at blogstartercourse.com. All righty, I'm going to cut it off there, but the next section goes into monetization, which covers affiliate marketing, products and services, advertising and sponsorship revenue, and membership income. But here's the takeaway that I want to leave you with. Think of Amazon as yet another search engine for people to discover your business. That's what I'm trying to do with the side hustle book. And I think you could employ the same strategy. What keywords would somebody be typing in? My theory behind making the book free, the Kindle edition at least, is to reduce the onboarding friction. All else being equal, if somebody is deciding among your book and several others on the same topic, I want to grab as much market share as I can, reduce that friction. And that may mean sacrificing a little bit of author royalties up front to hopefully gain a follower and a fan for years. We'll see how that goes, but happy with how the updated edition is performing so far. Again, if you want to check it out, sidehustlenation.com slash book. And if you prefer audio and are new to Audible, you can get the audiobook version free with your trial account at sidehustlenation.com slash audiobook. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 